Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's time for the match preview. I'm Andrew Musgrove and I'm joined by John Gibson to look ahead to Newcastle United's clash with Crystal Palace. That takes place this Saturday at the good old-fashioned 3pm kickoff up at St James's Park. And it's a welcome return after the international break and being at home is exactly where you'd want to be. John, I hope you're keeping well. How are you surviving without the Premier League? Oh, I've been desperate for it to come back, feel it. I'm in the real world again. I mean, it, it was okay watching England and seeing how the Newcastle players did elsewhere, but nothing replaces Newcastle playing uh, competitive stuff this season because it's so entertaining, so exciting. The first place, John, to start is about Sandro Tonali. Now, we're recording this on Wednesday morning and it will be released on Thursday morning. So please do bear in mind that things regarding the midfielder may have changed by the time you hear this. But it is looking ever likely that at the time of recording, Tonali will face some sort of ban after missing betting on games. It is a big blow, obviously, for him and, of course, Newcastle United. I guess, John, the first thing to say is that we hope Tonali gets the help for the gambling addiction that his agent says he has. And secondly, if he has broken the rules, which it looks like he has, he does need to serve the punishment. John, I'm sure you'd echo that. Yeah, I would. I mean, I've already said in print that uh, Sandro needs help, not criticism or ridicule, which is the knee-jerk reaction to something like this. Um, but, I mean, it, there's an inevitability about it all. The slowly drip, drip, dripping of information that has come out of um, come out of Italy uh, is worrying because we initially, if we sum it up, we initially had the police interviews uh, at the Italian international camp and then he was sent home from camp. Not good early news. His agent then admitted publicly that he is battling a gambling addiction. Not good news in terms of the prosecution or the possible prosecution. And then in the last couple of hours, we've had a, a further revelation that he is supposedly admitted to the uh, prosecutor that he did actually bet on AC Milan matches, which is a significant no-no. So there is nothing to suggest that Sandro Tonali isn't facing a ban. The only thing that uh, remains, I guess, is to see what plea bargaining can be done to reduce the size of the ban and them taking into consideration that he has come clean, that he has admitted to an addiction and that therefore he needs help and not just hung out to dry. Um, but both he and Newcastle United are going to have to face the very sad fact and the harsh fact that he's going to be missing for quite a long time. And when we bear in mind, Andrew, this has come on top of the fact that it's been quite obvious watching him playing that he's found difficulty adapting to a new country. And that part is understandable. It's a new language. It's a new way of life. It's a new football philosophy. He's had to take all this in. And I, I did a piece in the Chronicle pleading for fans to give him a chance to come back and do a Anthony Gordon. It was much easier for Anthony because he's English and was speaking the language, but he found it tough. But now this is a whole new dimension and there's inevitability about it. 
we've just got to hope for damage limitation on behalf of the player, on behalf of Newcastle United and on behalf of the fans. Yeah, and what John is referring to then, I'm sure you guys listening are well aware of the story. And I will just say again, it may have progressed by the time we release this podcast. But what John is referring to there is report on Wednesday morning from Italy in which it was claimed Tonali admitted to prosecutors that he had betted on EC Milan games, not ones, um, again, at the time of recording, that he was involved in, but he did place bets on uh, games of the team that he was playing for, which obviously isn't, isn't good at all. Now, the bigger picture, I think, is one that we have to look at. And I look at what happened with Ivan Tony, and I ask the question of how far we've come since that punishment was handed out. Now, I know... It's Italian authorities dealing with Sandro Tonari. It's not the FA, so you know the jurisdiction and the punishments handed out perhaps slightly different. But I do wonder about the support in general for these well-played players who end up going down that avenue. What support is there out there to stop this? Because it is a nasty habit when you get down. And, and, and for people who don't really maybe feel the hit of losing the money... Um, you know, people who are paid well, like Sandra Tonali is, it, it, it can be, I think, quite easy to get lost down that rabbit hole. And, John, I'm just wondering if you think there's enough support for these players, often young players, when they're handing such big uh, amounts of money on a weekly basis, is there enough support to stop them becoming addicted to things like gambling? It is a great difficulty, and it's the new difficulty, isn't it? If you go back 20 years or so, it used to all be alcohol-related, beer. Now, gambling does. And the reason gambling does is not only because you've got a lot of money, as you rightly said, so you can afford to do it, but because you've got too much idle time on your hands. If you're away with a national squad or a club playing away in Europe, You've trained in the morning, you've got all the afternoon, what do you do? You go on to these sites and you start gambling. And the the awful thing is everything's relevant, Andrew. You can have as much money as you like, but then you just gamble five times as much each time you press the button and you end up skint. I mean, his mate who's been done for seven months has admitted that he's had a, he was borrowing money from Juventus teammates because... Despite his huge wages, he was gambling huge amounts and then he was his debts were building up and it was producing problems. So it's all relative and it, it is difficult. And it's a new problem. There's always a new problem. Uh, and this is the newest one. Gambling's not new. We had it way, way back. But it, it is exploded with the fact that you can now do it so easily online. And it is a new problem for for football to face, the, the support that is given because ridicule or criticism or knee-jerk or tear-up contracts, throw players out, it ain't as simple as that anymore and you cannot be as insensitive uh, to problems which are in out there in the world for everyone and for these guys. And But there's no question that if you've committed... In offence, you've got to do the time. And and there's no question that he will get a lengthy ban and will have to save it. And a lot of people would say, rightly so, let us help him totally and utterly 
but inevitably there's going to be consequences to be paid, sadly, sadly. Um, and it, it, it's very sad for Newcastle, who, you know, shelled out $52 million. He's about the second most expensive player in the history of the club. And within playing four, five, six games for the club, uh, he's facing, sometime in the near future, a very lengthy ban. And that is tough for the club who put their faith in him. It's tough for the boy, of course it is. But the club are 600% innocent in this, and, and it is a shame. He will get terrific support from the club. Of that, there's absolutely no question. And if he appears in a black and white strip on the pitch while waiting for a suspension, he will get huge support from the terraces as well because he's one of our own right now. He's a Newcastle United player. And until you tell the world that you don't want to be a Newcastle United player anymore and you want to leave, you are revered. And he will not take stick from Newcastle United fans whatsoever. Whether he would face any stick from away fans when you're playing, sorry, when you're playing away from from the opposition is a different kettle of fish. But that's part of football life, I'm afraid. But I guess John, some might say that football as a whole can't really complain when these players get into this situation because the game is sort of saturated by betting, particularly adverts, not just on the front of shirt sponsors, but you've got you know adverts during the broadcasts, you've got advertising hoardings, you know. Betting is everywhere within the game. Now, we know shirt sponsors are set to be outlawed in the next couple of years in England, which is a, a great first step. But when it is everywhere, when it is literally everywhere you turn, it's perhaps no surprise to some that these young players end up down the avenue in which they do become addicted to gambling. And I'm just wondering if you think longer term there needs to be maybe a full-on assault on betting within the game to stop not only these young players getting addicted but also the everyday fan because you know it's not just the highly paid superstars that face this problem totally yes i mean you know betting problems aren't the exclusivity of people that are very rich because it's one way of getting very poor very quickly and so that this this problem is rank and filing in all our lives as fans etc etc there's always been problems where you've got to target um, uh, adverts. If you remember donkeys years ago, there was uh, cigarette companies sponsored so much of sport, it was untrue. And there was this ongoing thing, sorry, there's no connection being proven between cigarettes and cancer, etc., etc. Eventually, that was jumped upon and not allowed to happen. We then got the situation with beer and alcohol, should they, and now gaming as well. And yes, these have got a part to play, and you can't let them ride roughshod over sport and jump on the sports bandwagon, as so much um, tobacco companies did, etc. You've got to get a grip of it at some stage. And, um, you know, the, the, the betting situation's quite ironic. We talk about Italy and, you know, the scandals of, it, of Italy, Italian football, etc., etc. But they are much harsher on the betting, the, uh, the Italian football authorities, than we are. And that's why bans are immediately set to, say, be three years or whatever. There's a legal betting site. You go on that, you've had it. And... So in lots of ways, they are stricter than we are when we started with 
Ivan Tony and uh, other people of if, if that help. Um, and of course, the bet as we all have, have realized during this awful business for Sando, that any suspension will not just count in Italy, but will be backed by UEFA, FIFA, and will count over here. Any suspension he gets in Italy will uh, apply to him playing for Newcastle United. Now, as previously mentioned, at the time of recording, we don't know what punishment, if any, Sandro Tonali is going to receive. We might know by the time this podcast is available to download. Um, but as things stand at the time of recording, Sandro Tonali is available or looks set to be available for Newcastle United's game against Crystal Palace. John, of you, Eddie Howe, would you be picking him? Well, it's not thought, it's definite. You cannot, when you are being investigated, you cannot be banned uh, because what if you're not guilty? Until you are charged, you may not be guilty. In theory, in theory, you can't ban a person because there's a suggestion that, that something's happened. You can only ban a person after you have charged that person and they're going to be done. There's no question whatsoever. Ivan Tony played all the way during his investigation. Bruno's mate down at West Ham has been investigated as we speak for uh, illegal betting. And and he is still playing for West Ham at the moment. There's no question about them playing for Newcastle United. It's how quickly they come to a conclusion on this. And then immediately he will be stopped playing. And if he is uh, cooperating with authorities, which is what we're led to believe as part of his plea bargaining, I'm I'm going to admit and I'm going to get treatment and I'm going to go and talk to kids about the dangers, etc., etc. Then the ban will be reduced, but it will start quicker because they, they will not have to wait for the case. You know, it, where if you deny it, you've got to go to court, etc., etc. But he will be able to play uh, in theory on Saturday and against Dortmund next Wednesday and for the short-term future, the question is, has he got the mental resolve to want to play? Because Paqueta at West Ham most certainly has, and has played magnificently. It's quite incredible. But you've got to be very strong mentally. A lot of people would see playing football while this goes on as a release from the problems and let me play, etc. A lot of other people would say, this is all too much. My mind's scattered. I don't know where I am. I don't want to go into the public and do this. So the only man that can decide if and when uh, Tonali plays again while we wait for a decision coming out of Italy is Tonali himself. He can be guided by Eddie Howe, but it is what... Sandro feels that will determine whether he is capable of playing for Newcastle or whether it would be best not to play him. He will tell Eddie. Eddie will help him, but the final decision will be his. Eddie will look at him and say, yes, he's strong enough. Mentally, we're going to play him. Or he'll look at him and say, his mind's in turmoil. We cannot do it to him. If it were me, John, I wouldn't have him anywhere near the Newcastle United squad on Saturday. You know, the fans, his teammates, Eddie Howe can still give him support. 
But what he doesn't need is to start or to be involved on Saturday and his mind to be elsewhere and he has a really bad game because that will just add to the pressures uh, and the emotional kind of stress that he's already under. Look, he's not going to be in the right mindset. I'm sorry to say that, but he's just not. You know, his agent has already come out and said that he was shook or he's shaken by what's going on. The Italian manager uh, described um, how Tonali was affected by the initial talks with prosecutors when the midfielder was still in the camp with Italy. So his mind, understandably, is going to be elsewhere. He's also going to be in limbo in the days leading up to the Palace game. He's not going to be able to have trained with Newcastle United. So that affects preparation. Flying back and forth uh, to Italy as well to deal with the matter. For me, keep him out of the squad and let him deal with his punishment, whatever that might be, away from the pitch. You know, I, I just... I just can't see how playing him, how getting him involved on Saturday would benefit anyone at all. And in terms of who I would pick, well, I would go with Sean Longstaff, Bruno Gimaraes, who started for Brazil in midweek and performed well, and Elliot Anderson because he's not looked out of place. And I think actually I would still be having the dilemma uh, about who would start in the midfield three, even if Tonali was available and, and this hadn't have happened because I think Anderson's earned his stripes and deserves to be there. We don't know about the fitness of, of Joe Linton either. If he is past fit, that's another name that could come into the mix. But for me, Sean Longstaff, you know, deserves to be in that England squad, wasn't picked by Gareth Southgate, so he's had a nice couple of weeks off, hopefully with his feet up recuperating. Play him alongside Bruno Gumresh, who looks back to his best, and Elliot Anderson. I I, I definitely wouldn't blame it all, Andrew. I, I don't think he is an introvert more than an extrovert. He's a quiet lad. I think he, he you know, he's not a bubbly Gascoigne type of, of, of guy that could roll with the punches. All the reports say that he's been in tears, he's been dismayed, he's been depressed. Yeah, he come back allegedly and trained one day, then he was back out to see the Turin people, etc., etc. I would not, under any circumstances, start him, and really, I, I wouldn't even put him on the bench. And I go with you that I would be more than happy to see Anderson, Bruno, and Longstaff as the middle three on Saturday. The only proviso I would say is whether or not Joe Linton was available. And if he was, I would probably put him in for Anderson, uh, but be quite happy to go with, with Anderson if Joe was only able to come off the bench. We don't know exactly what stage Joe's at, but I certainly, under no circumstances, would I start Sandro. I, I think it would. He, he's all. Let us remember that, bless him, in terms of acclimatizing to a new country, a new football, he wasn't in the most riveting of form before this all started. So with this as a weight on his shoulders as well, no, no, he's a non-starter for me without a shadow of doubt. And I, I would be staggered if he does start on Saturday. Yes, it's certainly going to be interesting. We'll get the update on Joe Linton, hopefully, in Eddie's press conference on Friday. And the other big update that we, fingers crossed, will get is on Sven Botman. Will the Dutch defender be back and ready to play? He's been missing for a few weeks. Um, but Newcastle United, John, haven't looked like they've missed him too much, largely thanks to the performances of captain Jamal LaSalle, who's found a new level. So my question to you, John, if Sven Botman is past fit and he's been posting on Instagram, you know, about his, his work, uh, working back to, to full fitness and what have you, if he's past fit, 
is he an automatic starter for Newcastle United against Crystal Palace, or does Jamal Lasalle keep his place in the side? It depends how fit he is um, in terms of sharpness and taking chances, because as you rightly said, we've got Dortmund to follow. But, I mean, let's be truthful about this. Botman is a step up from Lascelles. Of that, there's absolutely no question. And the future of Newcastle at the back is with Botman as the left-sided centre-half. Um, I think that's absolutely nailed on. Um, yes, uh, Jamal has done terrific since he come back in the side. The first couple of games, absolutely outstanding. Not a foot wrong. Um, did a brilliant, brilliant job. Uh, in the last game, West Ham, he got lost horribly on the first goal. With the ball, the guy ran off his shoulder. Um, Lascelles had no idea where he was. By the time he turned round, if you watch the goal repeatedly, you'd see it, see it, see it. By the time he turned round, the guy was away. Then Pope committed himself to, to rashly coming wide to challenge the bloke who squared it and the ball was in the net. But Lascelles got caught. That was the old Lascelles and that one flash. Not the Lascelles we'd seen in the previous two games. Yes, he's a good player. Yes, his heart's in the club. Yes, he's a good stand-in. But that's what he is, a good stand-in. Botman's a different class. Botman, 100%, if he is, plays. If he's not, he's eased back in because he's been out a little while from the bench or for the Dortmund match like Joe Linton. But if Joe Linton's 100% at any stage, if Botman's 100% at any stage, both those play. And I, I'm generalising about when that is, but they both play because they're, they're first-teamers. It'll be interesting, too, to get a... a an update, I'm saying that with tongue-in-cheek because we don't get an update at the press conference because Eddie tells us absolutely nothing apart from players are still alive. But it'll be interesting when we get the team sheet an hour before kickoff. what the Wilson-Isaac situation. Uh, Wilson only come on for five minutes in the last game and uh, Eddie said at the time he couldn't have played much longer in any case because he wasn't fit enough to play longer. And he's come off with an injury which saw him get sent home from the Swedish squad. Um, we need them two because if we don't have them two, what have we got uh, for centre-forward? Uh, so, and we preferably need them both um, because, you know, you can start one and bring one off the bench. If they were both 100%, I would start Isaac and bring Wilson off the bench. Um, but you need them both because if you don't, you're looking at it probably the false nine, which would either be Elliot Anderson or Gordon. And let us remember, of course, Anthony Gordon's back, which is for that left-hand side position, which is terrific. Yeah, you have to hope that one of those uh, are fit, Wilson or Isaac. But, you know, I do have my concerns about that. I think Callum Wilson is probably more likely to be the one who is available to start. But then... I do have a, a little sneaky feeling that neither may be fit enough to start and they're going to have to manage both players ahead of ahead of Dortmund and, and that means potentially Anthony Gordon is going to have to start up top. We're, we're, we're guessing, Andrew, aren't we? On, on the, as, far as, fitness, as far as fitness is concerned, we don't know and we'll not know after the Friday press conference exactly how fit Bachmann is, how fit Joe Linton is, how fit Isaac is. We will not know that until the team sheet comes out an hour before the game. Uh, so you've got to second-guess those. If there's any doubts, the other one plays, starts. But but we don't really know. 
I mean, we didn't know when Wilson was ready to come back. Joe Linton come back surprisingly and only lasted five minutes, which was even more of a surprise. And we never knew for certain how long Bachman was going to be out initially when he when he went. The only fella that would come relatively quickly clean on was Harvey Bonds, which, of course, Eddie had to come clean because he's going to be out for so long. And, but, yes, you've got to second guess that and say if everybody was fit, what society would pick. Um, but, you know, that's the only route, I think. You, you can go down because we don't know who's going to be available. But the one thing we can say, which we've already said, Andrew, is that we wouldn't risk the, the frailty of, um, of Sandro Tenali uh, from the start of this game. Not at all. It would be unfair on him and on the team, I think. And I mean, that in the nicest possible way, in the nicest possible way, it would be unfair. Yeah, 100% agree with you, John. And to you guys listening, get in touch and let us know what your thoughts are on Sandro Tonali and does he play against Palace if available. But I see my main concern is, is is up top. I think it's quite clear that you can't rely on Wilson or Isaac to get through a, a full season. And then you're looking at the options and you cast United have and they don't have another striker to replace either of those two. Um, and that does, for me, leave Gordon as the only option, which is detrimental, I think, in many ways to the team because he saw electric out on the left. Newcastle missed him uh, against West Ham. But for me, I think if, if Wilson and Isaac aren't fit and aren't fully fit and I don't think they will be fully fit do you save them do you manage them for the games to come and, and, and move Gordon to the centre and, and bring in Murphy on the left perhaps I tell you what I tell you what's wrong with that in my opinion Andrew and I know where you're coming from I tell you what's wrong with that we played Crystal Palace three times last season and we didn't score a solitary single goal in all three games We there were two note not draws and the third note not draw was in the League Cup which we then got through on penalties but we played three games with Crystal Palace last season and didn't score a solitary single goal. Do you want to play against them on, on Saturday without a centre-forward? Voluntarily, I mean. Voluntarily, I mean, because uh, it would be voluntarily because I don't believe we will, by the way. I believe either Wilson or Isaac will start against them. I don't think we'll start with a false name. Well, hopefully you're right and my fears aren't proved uh, a, a reality because it is going to be a, a difficult game against Crystal Palace, isn't these it? Are these are difficult to beat, Andrew, in, in, as we proved last season. So we need to get a goal. In three games, two of them were at home, mate. Two of them were at home and we didn't score a solitary single goal. Yes, firepower is going to be key on Saturday. It's that simple saying, isn't it? Goals win you games. Uh, I'm a big fan of Crystal Palace, actually. I think they're a very underrated side. Big fan of... Roy Hodgson and the story, look, him at the age he is, you know, managing a top flight side and 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 not just kind of filling a gap, but you know, they're actually making them a better side. And they've on a good run of form of late. The last three games have kept three clean sheets, draws against Forest and Fulham, victory over Manchester United. And I do actually think Palace are more suited to playing the bigger sides and they can hit them on the counter. I think they've got some Excellent players. I mean, they're doing uh, the run of form without 
many of their best players. They've got 11 injuries now. Some of them may be back in time to face Newcastle. But two players who will not be are arguably their best players, uh, Elise and Eze, two players I would love to see in the black and white shirt. Um, and they're getting you know, great results. The victory of Manchester United without their best players. They're a dangerous side. Newcastle United cannot underestimate them huge, at all. Hugely, hugely. I mean... I'm a huge admirer of Hodgson. What Hodgson's done uh, uh, on such a limited budget and at his age in terms of having been around the top of the game for so, so long and still retaining the enthusiasm to get out there and make it happen, that is a huge, huge compliment to the guy. Um, They're not my favourite team because every time we play them, it's like pulling teeth out with a pair of pliers. Three no-note draws is not something... I enjoy sitting through, um, whoever the opposition is. And I think it'll be as tough as that again. As you say, they are more than capable, whether it is um, on the counter-attack or whether it is just an absolute stubbornness in an organisation. I mean, they didn't score in the three games and, and neither did us. And, and it could be that tight again where there's one goal in it because they are difficult to beat. But, I mean, if you look at them on the road, they've won 1-0 at Sheffield United. OK, we won 8 there. But also won at Manchester United, which was fabulous. They got a 1-1 with Brentford, which was terrific. They got cuffed 3-1 by Aston Villa. But they're not easy. There's no question about that. And to be truthful... I'm looking forward to Saturday because the Premier League's coming back. I'm not looking forward to Crystal Palace because I think it'll be a nail-biting draw. And we can't afford another draw, mind, another home draw against them because we are still playing a little bit of catch-up. If we are talking about the top four at the end of the season, because of the three defeats we had on the bounce, we are still playing catch-up. So a not-not with them is not is a bad result. Uh, we have got to beat them. And, and so... You know, I'm looking for who will get the goals. And I'm looking and saying, we've got to think of Isaac and Wilson. We've got to think of Miggy, who's got three in his last five games. And we've got to hope that Gordon, not a prolific goal scorer, but produces something. We've got to win this one. Well, I've got a prediction for you, John. Anderson to get a goal on Saturday. By the way, I hope you're talking about the right Anderson because they send a half Jockham Anderson who scored a wonder goal, if you remember recently. Uh, so it's got to be Elliot Anderson and not the not their Anderson. Yes, John, you're right. Elliot Anderson to get the goal on Saturday. It's, it's something I want to see more than anything, really, is him get his Newcastle United goal because he thoroughly deserves it. And I think that will set him up and put him on to the next level. But you are also right. Yakim Anderson is is one heck of a player. He looks like a really classy defender. Newcastle United were linked to him in the summer. I think they were quoted something along £40 million. He started the season in absolute electric form. Would you like to see him? In the black and white shirt? I, I wouldn't need. I wouldn't need. And there's another reason why I'm hoping that Isaac or Wilson starts. Because whoever starts is up against him. It's hard enough again, up against him when you're a pucker uh, striker that scores goals. And the only two pucker strikers that score goals, as far as we are concerned, is Isaac, who's got six in the Premier League this season, and, and Wilson with four. Nobody else has got more than a couple. So, you know, it's going to be tough. And he is a quality player. And I wouldn't mind him coming to us. And 
if the price is right, without a shadow of doubt. And just briefly, John, talk to me about Dortmund in midweek, the Champions League back at St. James Park. Will Eddie Howe be thinking about that when he picks his team for Saturday? No, it it, it won't be on the mind of Eddie uh, because he knows that the best way of having a chance against Dortmund is to go in with a win in the Premier League at home four days beforehand. So it won't be on Eddie's mind. And I'm certain he'll be working very hard to make certain it isn't on the mind of the players either because... If we don't look after our home base, our bread and butter, then, you know, the caviar doesn't keep coming. We've, we've got to get the results in the Premier League to be able to get Champions League football. So it's no good just thinking about the Champions League. We've got to get a, a, a win against Crystal Palace. And this is the sort of game where, as tough as it is, Andrew, as dogged as they are, you think you can get a win. You know, you're not playing... Manchester City or Arsenal or Spurs in that current form, etc. So you win these for when these other games come along. Well, that takes us up to our final question, John. All that remains to be done is to get your result prediction for Saturday. How's this one going to go? Yeah, great question. Great question. Um, uh, Newcastle to win. And I think I normally don't do scores because scores are just like grabbing a a piece of flotsam as it passes. Uh, but, I mean, I think it'll only be a goal, in it? And I can well see Newcastle winning 1-0. Well, I'd certainly take 1-0. I'm taking Newcastle United to win. I do think it'll be a tight game. I don't think it'll be an entertaining game. Not one for the neutrals to remember. Uh, but I do think Newcastle will pick up the victory and set themselves up nicely for that midweek game in the Champions League against Dortmund. John, thank you as always for popping on and providing the match preview to you guys. Listen, hit that like and subscribe button, the follow button via whichever platform you're listening to. Leave us a rating and review and head over to chroniclelive.co.uk. We can keep up to date with all the latest Newcastle news, including Eddie Howe's press conference on Friday morning and live dedicated coverage of Newcastle United versus Crystal Palace over on chroniclelive.co.uk. 3pm kickoff on Saturday. It's not on television, so you'll have to follow it on our website through our dedicated live blog. Hopefully see you guys there. Enjoy the rest of your week. <laughs>